Well, hey there, Merry Christmas. It is so great to be celebrating with you tonight. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Rock Creek Church. And I'm honestly just very thankful that we get to continue to celebrate, even though it looks different than we expected. Um, and maybe not in person, but I'm so thankful that we get to celebrate. If you're a guest, if you're someone who was invited by a family member, a friend, or a coworker, just wanted to welcome you as well. Thanks for celebrating with us. You may not be aware of this, but for the entire month of December, we as a church have been going through this teaching series called Recapturing Christmas. And the whole idea of this series has been to try to push through the traditions, push through the things that we may just feel mundane this time of year and try to get back to the awe, the wonder, and the meaning of Christmas. And so tonight that comes to an end as well. We're finishing with this topic, recapturing the manger of Christmas. And manger is a funny word. It's interesting. We not, may not be thinking about it very often outside of the Christmas season. But if you don't know the story, basically Jesus spent his first night here on earth as a baby in a manger, a feeding trough. So we see this in Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. It says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them in the inn. Oh my gosh, what? This guy, Santa's calling me. Whoa, Santa, what are you doing? You're supposed to be really busy right now, right? Oh yeah, I'm really busy tonight, but I thought I'd check in. Your son Teddy told me that you've been on the naughty list, Alex. <laughs> what? That kid, no, that's not possible. Oh, I'm just pulling your leg. I hear you're having a Christmas Eve service, and I would like to be part of it. Yeah, we actually just started. We just started talking about the manger. Oh, the manger. Uh, it's just amazing that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, came to this earth as a baby and spent his first night in a stinky yucky old manger. I know, what an amazing way for God to show his love for us, right? Oh yeah, very inspiring. Uh, Jesus came to this earth to, to die for everyone on the earth. All I do is take presents to people around the world once a night. Yeah, but what an amazing way to celebrate his birthday, right? Hey Santa, I've always wanted to ask you this question. What is your favorite Bible verse? You know, my favorite Bible verse is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It might be a simple verse that everybody knows, but really understand what it means. Mm, so good. Well, Santa, we'll let you go. We know you have so much to do tonight. I have a lot of work to do. You keep preaching the word. That never gets old. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Oh my gosh, so good. Guys, Santa. That was Santa. Ah, oh, so good. Okay. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, oh yeah, that's right. The manger. Okay. Let's uh, try to get, get back into the mood of this. The manger. So the manger, a feeding trough. Too often, I think, our traditions kind of paint it up a little bit and make it look really nice and sweet. And so I want to have us really quick listen to a song. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. It's a great traditional carol called Away in the Manger, Away in a Manger. And I want you to listen to these words. You can sing along, do anything like that, but I really want you to reflect on these words and hopefully that'll set the tone for the rest of this message. So I'm going to turn it back to Mark and the worship team and I'll see you back here in a moment.
All right, thanks, worship team. That's so good, so good. You know, Away in a Manger is, it's a sweet song, and it's actually pretty sentimental to me too. But the interesting thing about this song is that it actually cleans up what must have been a really, really hard, difficult night. Can you imagine what this was like for Mary and Joseph? Let alone Jesus, the baby who was there, but, but Mary and Joseph, from a parent's point of view, to not even have a place to be when your kids are born. I mean, I can't even imagine not having a hospital. <laughs> I mean, I'm a parent of two boys. I've got Teddy, who's almost four, and Henry, who's coming up on one. And both of them were born in a hospital, and they both needed extra attention. Teddy was born five weeks early. He spent some time in the NICU. Henry was born on time, but we still had to take him back to the NICU for two days. So thinking about the, the context of Jesus' birth, I don't even know if my boys would have survived that. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph's stress, their anxiety over that night, wondering what would happen to their little boy as they were desperately trying to find a place to lay him down, to find shelter? So this song and many of our traditions clean up the manger. If you look at this little manger, this is nice. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's been put together. It's become a sweet symbol. But I don't think that night was very sweet. I think that was a hard night. You know, the song even says that Jesus didn't cry. I, I sincerely doubt that he did not cry. I mean, he took on a true human nature. So I want to ask us a question. I want to press a question to you tonight as we continue to talk about the manger. When we look at a cleaned up, beautified image of what the manger is, do we inadvertently miss the point of Jesus' entrance into his creation? Do we miss the whole point? Because the manger was not sweet. It was gross. It was disgusting. It was a feeding trough. It was probably being used that night by, a def- by one of the animals there. Mary and Joseph didn't actually choose where they were going to lay him down. They were desperate. I don't think that night was anything, or I don't think that night was peaceful at all. I think it was anything but. It was chaotic. These are the circumstances that Jesus was born into, and it was God's plan. God planned it this way. And that begs us a question, why? Why would God do that? Why in the world, if it's the God of the universe, the God of all creation, why would he pick this way to come to earth, to become a human being? Well, I'll give you the answer, and then we'll talk about it. (laughs) But the answer is simply love. The answer is that God loves you. And you may respond, wait, who, me? Yeah, you. God loves you. I'm serious about that. This is a demonstration of God's love for you. Let's do a thought experiment real quick. I want to press your brain here a little bit. Imagine that you are God, and you may not be terribly familiar with God. You may know him well, you may not, but imagine that you are God, and you desperately love your creation, people, the human race, you desperately, desperately love them and want to have a relationship. You want to be involved in their lives. But you look down at them and all you can see is the hatred, the strife, the conflict, the inequality, the oppression. All you can see is the brokenness, the hurt, the pain, And your heart goes out and says, I got to do something. I got to save my creation. 
So what you do as God, this is what he did, he decides, you know what? I'm gonna go to them. I'm not gonna wait for them to come to me. I'm gonna go to them. I'm gonna go become a human being. I'm gonna share their experience and I'm gonna save them. I'm gonna put together their brokenness there. I'm gonna bring them back. So what do you do? How do you do that? Do you come be born in a royal family, in a palace? Or do you come in a way that gives you some political power so you can make sweeping political changes to, you know, to better the society? I don't know. What we see God do, though, is he chooses to pick an experience that we can relate with. And hear me out on this. If, if Jesus was born in a royal family, how could we relate with that? We, we would look at Jesus and be like, well, yeah, of course he was able to do all these amazing things. He was born in this high-standing high family. No, Jesus instead chose the most humiliating birth possible. We've, we've made it very sweet. And there are traditions, we have songs about them, and we've made it a very cute symbol that can be sentimental to us, but that's not the point. The point is that it was hard. It was humiliating. Can you imagine? I mean, kids are terrible, but I, I can't. <laughs> they can be terrible. Kids will make fun of them, each other for the most, I mean, the simplest things. But can you imagine? Jesus could have been made fun of constantly for being born in a barn and spending his first night in a manger. There was nothing glamorous about this. It was hard. And he chose to take on the worst, the lowliest place possible so that when we look to him, he can say, I know your hurts. I know your pains. I know what you've gone through. I've been there. And I can relate. There's a passage in Philippians that puts this really well. Um, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 6, uh, it's talking about Jesus' mindset. Jesus' mindset, it says, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That was the end goal. But you see, that's what the manger represents. The manger represents God from his highest place in heaven coming to the lowest place on earth for us, for you. He did that for you so you can relate with him. So that he can look at you and comfort you and say, I know what you've gone through and I'm here. That's what the manger is a symbol of. That the entirety of Jesus' life was a sacrifice. The entirety. It was a sacrifice of love, right? Not just the cross. Jesus died on the cross. But that's not it. Even going right up to his birth was a sacrifice. He was not born into fame. He wasn't born into comfort. He was born into obscurity and poverty and hardship. That's what he was born into. John 3.16. I love this. Santa's favorite verse. <laughs> John 3.16. I want to read it to you. Well, I got to memorize, but it's a good one to memorize too. I encourage you to do it. Uh, John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And the phrase that I want you to hear is that he gave his son. 
God gave his son out of love for you. Think about that. He didn't just give his son's teachings. He didn't just give us the Bible. He didn't just give us the cross. He didn't just give us his son's death or a great example for us to follow. He gave us his son. The totality of who Jesus is was a gift to us, all of it. Jesus is the gift. He himself is the greatest gift you could ever possibly receive. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, hashes this out a little bit in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. So if you're looking for somewhere to read, this is a great place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to, uh, to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is unbelievable. He starts right off the bat and saying, if you're in Christ, which basically means if you believe, if you've put your faith in Christ, the Bible tells us that we are in Christ. If you trust in Jesus, you are a new creation, period. And it's kind of an interesting thing to say because I'll say it this way, right? When I put my faith in Jesus, I didn't become a different person. I'm still me. I'm still Alex. But I something miraculous happened to me at that point. And the thing that changed, even if I don't feel it on a day-to-day basis, the thing that changed was my identity. I'm a child of God now. John 1.12, another great passage. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God to those who received him. It's, remember, Jesus is a gift to be received. So we're new creations. If you believe in Jesus, you're a new creation. And all of this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself. Reconciliation is a, a big packed word. It basically means, hey, we didn't have a very good relationship before. Now Jesus took the initiative and said, you know what? I'm gonna make it so we can have a good relationship again. And what he says in this passage, what Paul says, he says, in reconciling us, he doesn't count people's sins against them. He doesn't count your sin against you unless you want him to. And that might sound a little weird, but hear me out on this. Jesus, God, by sending Jesus, did not want to judge you based on your actions. So hear me on that. God does not want to judge you doesn't want to judge you. He doesn't want to judge you based on your actions. He sent Jesus to live that perfect life for you so that he can judge you based on him. And he's perfect. So he can look at you and say, you're perfect. That's what he wanted. That was his whole plan. But if you, res- if, if you refuse his gift, if you refuse his grace, what you're telling God is, you know what? No, I think I've been a good enough person. 
No, I do want you to count my actions. I do want you to judge my life based on how I've lived because I think I've been good enough. I've done more good than bad. You know, I obviously deserve to be in some better place when I die, whatever that looks like. That's what we're saying. And that includes our sin. But hear me, that doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. Hear me, uh, take it from a, a parental point of view, right? For those of you who are parents, you might understand this a little bit. Teddy is about four years old now. He's gotten to this point where he is getting really excited about Christmas, about the gifts, about the traditions and things like that. If I were to give Teddy a gift and he were to open it and look at it and look at me and say, you know what, dad, I can't take this until I can buy it. I need to buy this from you. I need to earn this. I cannot accept your grace. I cannot accept this gift. I've got to earn it myself. Okay, one, I'd look at him because he's four and be like, well, that's, that's silly. You can't afford it. <laughs> you, you can't. Like, There's no possible way for you to earn this. I want to give it to you because I love you. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what Jesus is doing. That's what God did by sending his son. He looked at us and said, you, possibly, you cannot possibly do this on your own. I'm going to give it to you. And it's free. And again, this is why the manger is so important. It's, it's a symbol of this, of God going to the ends of the earth for you to bring you home. God is not a God of the rich. He's not a God of the powerful. He is the God of the poor, of the needy, of the hurt, the broken. That's who he is. So he came and spent his first night in a dirty, disgusting, used, stinky old manger to demonstrate to you just the lengths that he would go for you and to show you that no matter how hurt you are, no matter how broken you are, no matter what you're going through, he understands and he loves you and he can fix it. You know, with Jesus' work, his entire life, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, with his work in reconciling us comes a message. And the message that naturally follows is the gospel, the good news, that Jesus did this for you and you can receive it. You can receive Jesus' life. You can receive his sacrifice on the cross for you. You can receive this life that he has lived for you. And as someone who's experienced this firsthand, I'll, I'll say this, I wasn't always a Christian. I've been a Christian for maybe 14 years, but I remember distinctly when I first came to believe in Jesus, and my life changed forever. And not ways that I would have expected, by any means. But I received his gift, and it was free. I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything. I don't deserve anything that God gives me. But now I'm here telling you that it's available to you as well. In that passage in 2 Corinthians, Paul said that we're ambassadors. And if God is making his appeal through us, he's making his appeal through me tonight, I want to urge you with this message. Be reconciled to God. It's available to you. Accept his gift. Accept this gracious gift that is Jesus. It's free. He loves you. There's nothing to prove anymore. There's nothing to earn. 
It's just yours. It's yours for the taking. So God gave you the greatest gift the world has ever seen. But do you also realize that you actually have a gift that you can give to Jesus this season for his birthday? And you may think, what? That makes no sense. What could I possibly have that God could want? <laughs> well, he wants you. He wants your heart. You realize that's, that's what this entire thing called life is about. It's about the, the fact that God made you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to come home. He wants your heart. That's the greatest gift you could ever give Jesus on his birthday is just offering yourself to him, saying, here I am, I'm coming home. And with that, I also want to tell you, you belong there. I don't know who, many of you are watching, I may, may not have met you before, but you may be sitting there thinking, this is ridiculous, you know, this whole religion thing is not for me, God, th this is not for me, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm telling you, you belong in God's family. He created you, he knows you, he loves you, and he wants the relationship, right? Put all of the religiosity aside for a moment. You and God, he wants to know you. He wants you to know him. And we know this. If you've, if you've been chasing something or searching, whether that's pursuing the perfect job, the perfect spouse, the perfect house, the perfect material things, if you're looking for those uh, adventure highs of trying to find the greatest adventure, if you've constantly been chasing or searching or pursuing something and continue to come back feeling either empty, dissatisfied, or feeling inadequate, it's because you've been searching in the wrong places. You know, there's a, a man who lived a long time ago named St. Augustine. He's got this famous quote. He said in a prayer to God that, to God, he said, you made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they can find their rest in you. So I want to give you this opportunity tonight, this Christmas Eve, Jesus is, or the night before Jesus' birthday. I want to give you this opportunity to receive God's gift for you, but also for you to give a gift to God, to Jesus, which is you, your heart. So if that's you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to receive the gift that he has for you, I just want to ask you to, to bow your head and pray along with me. It doesn't have to be out loud, although I would say that that's probably better, but uh, you could pray it in your mind as well. But, but pray with me tonight. Jesus, we thank you. I thank you for what you did on the cross, for what you did in your birth. I thank you for your life. I thank you that you died for my sins, that you lived the life that I couldn't live so that I could be perfect in your sight, that I could have a relationship with you. I accept your gift. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And in return, I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. Even if I don't know what it means and what was going to happen in the future, I give you myself. I'm so grateful. Please give me the strength to walk with you, to join you in this, in this life, in this thing called faith. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Okay, if you prayed that prayer, one, you're a child of God. Know that and accept that and receive it. Two, there's a party going on up in heaven right now for you. And then three, please, please, please just tell us. That's one thing we ask. Just let us know that you've made that decision because even if you don't necessarily want us to be a part of it, we would love to walk with you in that decision because there's a lot of follow-up, right? Learning to, to live as a child of God is a, is a whole thing that we're striving to do better and better at Rock Creek Church every day, but we would love to walk that journey with you. So please just tell us. You can uh, share that on our website. You can find our contact form on there. Or if you're watching on your computer, you should have seen a button pop up, but just find a way to tell us. Um, but beyond that, I also want to address those of you who may have felt a tug on your heart a little bit, who maybe you do consider yourself a Christian. Maybe you have gone to church uh, for a long time in your life, or maybe you made a decision a long time ago and you've kind of fallen to the wayside. If you felt any kind of tug on your heart thinking, man, I have not been walking with you, God. Man, I just don't feel that, that, that same closeness that I felt with you once before. I want to give you the same opportunity to give a gift to Jesus tonight, and that's just to come back wherever you're at, to recommit to whatever extent. And I'll say this, for, for any Christian, right, it's important for us to do this daily, honestly. We need Jesus every single day of our life. Every single hour, I need Jesus. So I want to just lead you in a prayer as well, but to bring you back to God, to give him this gift, to receive his grace tonight as we close. So pray after me. Jesus, I thank you so much thank you so much for your gift in the manger and the cross and your resurrection. Thank you for the grace that you've given to me. And even though I haven't been walking with you as well as I should have or, or as well as I needed to, I pray that you would rekindle that passion in me. I give you my life once again. And I want to receive your grace tonight. Help me to walk in your power, in your strength, in your love, in your mercy. Would your Holy Spirit lead me and guide me this day forward. We thank you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. All right. If you prayed any of those prayers, know that you just gave God an amazing gift that he cherishes. Above all else, God loves you. He loves everything that you are, and he wants to have a relationship with you. So Merry Christmas. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the rest of this night. Enjoy this season. And we will just love to uh, hear from you in the future.